Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. A couple of weeks ago, I got invited by Channel 9 to today's program to go and have a, a debate about the pros and cons of gender selection, which is clearly a controversial issue and like all good television programs who want to create viewer interest they had to have someone with a contrary view so dr rick the normal morning doctor who happens to be an ivf specialist indeed one of my colleagues but does have a slightly old-fashioned view about the world and does feel that perhaps sex selection is just going a bit too far i don't agree with that and i've made that statement publicly on many occasions in the printed media and on television. I think the technology is there. People are going overseas to seek out gender selection when they've already had two or three children of the same sex. And I think that's a very valid use of our current technology. But listen to what I said and what he said. Uh, I'm sure it's uh, enjoyable. Welcome back. Well, it's the great mystery all expectant parents experience, whether they're having a baby boy or a baby girl. While many are content to leave it to nature, what if you could choose the gender of your unborn child? Australia's Peak Medical Council has banned parents using IVF to choose the sex of their baby, while fertility experts pushing for change say parents should have the option of gender selection. It is always a controversial topic and we hit the streets to get your thoughts on it. No, it doesn't matter if it's a boy or girl, so it makes no difference to me, really. I think normally we would never have that choice, and why should we change that? If they want the option, then yes, why not? Not necessarily for the first child, but when you've had several children, maybe. If people want to use it, then yeah, but I'm not, I'm sort of opposed to it. You're really lucky to have a child, so whether it's a boy or a girl, 
it's, it's a child. I don't have a problem with that at all. Oh, I think they should have the option, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if I'd do it myself. We also asked viewers on Facebook if gender selection should be permitted in Australia. 26% of you said yes, while a resounding 74% said no. So for today's agenda, I am joined by senior fertility expert, Professor Michael Chapman, and IVF expert, Dr Rick Gordon. Good morning to you both. Morning, George. All right. Now, Rick, um, obviously um, gender selection is illegal in Australia. But there are some exceptions. Who can access it currently in our country? Well, if there's a medical condition that's attached to one sex or the other, then we find that's a medical indication for sex selection. Nobody wants to have a child that's born with a particular sex-linked disease. So that's the only form of sex selection that's allowed. If you wanted to get rid of a particular disease in your family line, then we can assess that in an embryo and not put those embryos back. How common is that? Oh, pretty rare mm. uh, for a start. It, it does crop up, of course. The more common one that we're, everyone's talking about is that social sex selection, where they would just like to choose for no other reason but the, what sex they would prefer. And just explain, if you could, Michael, how that works. When we create an embryo, we have the ability to um, sample five or six cells from that embryo and then genetically test those cells for the sex of the child. So did you understand that? In other words, what you're doing is you're taking a couple who could normally conceive a child at home through the old-fashioned method, and you're saying, no, to, 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 for us to predict the sex of your child, we need to now convert you to an infertile couple and put you through IVF. Mm -hmm. We need to give you drugs, we need to collect your eggs, we need to make the embryos, then we need to assess them. So from what you used to do naturally at home, we're now going to convert you into an IVF All right, patient. put your case. I know you're vehemently opposed. No, not <laughs> vehemently opposed. I just, well, I've, I'm just trying to put the brakes on mm -hmm. uh, that this should be widely available, that's all. Speaking as an individual, right? This is a personal opinion and I stress that. Okay, so Michael, the typical couple who might do this want a bit of balance in an already established family usually, I'm assuming. So perhaps they already have three boys and they want that fourth child to be a girl. Is, would that be the, the common scenario? That's, that's, the, that's the common scenario that I'm approached with by couples who won't have another baby unless they can choose the sex. They've got their three boys or three girls and they want the, the opposite sex. And, I, and that's where I think um, the technology that we have, the technology we've developed, uh, should be able to be used in that particular situation under strict controls. What's wrong so with three, that, Rick? So three boys, you said, and then they want a girl. What about two boys and, and now they want a girl? What about one boy and they just want to predict, the, they want to have the balanced family? Where do you draw the line? The slippery slope argument. Well, slippery slope argument, we, we wouldn't... Uh, Rick and I wouldn't be sitting here if we believed that we should stop at the worrying about slippery slopes. That In 1978, when the first baby was conceived with IVF, uh, it was said to be this is the beginning of the slippery slope of designer babies. Now we're producing 13,000 babies, 4% of all births in Australia, from the technology that we've been able to develop. This is just one step further. So we're talking about drawing a line in the sand, really, how much the society is prepared to accept the use of this particular because technology. Because the slippery slope you're referring to is then does it become a, a, a case if you of you walking in and saying, OK, we've already established I can have a boy, but I want a tall boy and I want a dark-haired boy. No, you want a red-haired boy. You were watching. Of course, I want, of course, <laughs> I'm married boy. to a red-haired boy. What, what was I thinking? Sorry, yes. I want a red-headed boy. I mean, you know what we're talking about. Yes. Are, are we edging closer to that? And as Rick says, where do you draw the line? Yeah, well, I think society does have to draw the lines. Uh, your programme today reflected what the general population actually does say in polls about sex selection. But the general population aren't the individuals with those three children who won't have another child. The family who 
uh, having had three girls, had a boy, and he walks into the swimming pool and drowns at the age of two. They want a boy to replace him. I think the technology is there. Well, we know the technology is there. We should be able to use it. Demand has increased rapidly, Rick, apparently over just in the last sort of 10 years. And as we say, it's not available currently in Australia, so people are having to go overseas. Explain that whole process. Well, I think that's one of the arguments that would be put forward, saying, well, people are going off and having it overseas. Why shouldn't we provide that service here that we can regulate it, control it and offer a higher level of medical care, perhaps? So that's the old uh, uh, inject the room. Uh, let's get we know people are going to inject themselves with drugs. Let's give them somewhere safe to do it. So just because people go overseas to have a particular medical procedure doesn't necessarily mean we should be providing it here. But I can see the argument for saying, well, we can do it better for them here and, and save them the cost and angst of going overseas. How often are you approached for gender selection? I, well, probably once a month. Mm -hmm. um, and what's the process? Do you, do you sort of counsel people through it or how does yeah. it work? So, well, what I, I'm saying to them, no, I'm terribly sorry that at this moment in time, it's not, it's not possible in Australia. The NHMRC guidelines say no and in some states there's actually legislation saying no. There are some states where it's, it's not illegal but we have to follow guidelines. And there is a potential loophole, isn't there, where people can perhaps in certain states do it? But they would still be contravening our accreditation process and they would lose their licence. OK. Do you see the guidelines being relaxed? Well, certainly in the last debate that the NHMRC had, um, who are the people that set the guidelines, um, it, was, it was certainly not a unanimous decision. And um, uh, so I think it is changing. And like many things in society, uh, attitudes change over time. You know, IVF is now a medical treatment. Mm. It, well, it was an experiment. 15 years ago. Right. Last word from you, Rick. No, I agree with Michael. This, I think the pendulum be... is swinging. I think the society is now looking at this with a different attitude and the pendulum is definitely swinging towards accepting this particular technology. I'm just there to say it should be swinging a little bit slower than Mike's pushing it, that's all. <laughs> all right. Well, it is a really interesting discussion. Absolutely. And always gets a lot of discussion happening from our viewers. So thank you both for weighing in on it. Thank you for listening to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.